Welcome back to the podcast. Today we are in Jonah chapter 1 and it's episode 2 of our series looking through the book of Jonah. Today we're going to look into Jonah's flight, his running away from God um, and his encounter with the sailors on the ship and of course the big storm that leads to him being thrown overboard and ending up in a big fish. (laughs) So let's get into today's podcast and see what more we can learn about this passage. My name is Megan and here I talk about the Bible. I spend some time reading through commentaries and studying passages and then chat through here about what I've learned so you can learn that info on the go, doing your cleaning, while you work and I really hope this just feels like grabbing a coffee with me and doing a deep dive into scripture together. Let's get on with today's episode. So let's just start by reading through um, the first couple verses and then we'll have a little chat about that. Of course, last week we did an intro into the book of Jonah. We learned a bit more about who Jonah was um, and a bit more about the themes of the book. So hopefully we will see how those things kind of play out within the narrative. So let's start with verse one. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. Tarshish. I can I can I really struggled to say that. Tarshish anyway. He paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. So let's just stop there for a moment before we get into the rest of the crazy story in chapter one um, and look at God's command to Jonah. We're reminded in the opening of this book that Jonah is a prophet. And uh, this is why this book is one of the minor prophets. It starts by Jonah being given a word of the Lord. The whole function of being a prophet is basically God telling you to tell something, a message from him to a certain set of people or a certain person. Um, That's just what prophets do. And so he's being asked to do that. God's saying, go to Nineveh and tell them that my judgment is going to come upon them, basically. Carrie's commentary actually says something interesting about this that I hadn't thought about before, which is that um, in the ancient world, they didn't have emails. Sounds obvious, but they didn't have emails. They didn't really did some letters, but they didn't have a postal service. Um, Telegrams? Nope. So if you wanted a message to get to someone, you had to either go yourself or send someone else with that message um physically send them they had to go there now people that sent people were usually rich or kings um so here we have god the king of all (laughs) sending his messenger the prophet he wants him to go on his behalf and jonah knows that that's what he should be doing so why is it that jonah (laughs) doesn't want to do it well it might be to do with the place that God is asking him to go to Nineveh was the capital of Assyria and that was the empire that took the Israelites into exile 
it wasn't necessarily the capital in Jonah's time, I think, but for the readers of this book, um, you know, people know that Nineveh is Assyria and they do not like Assyria. They are the enemies um, and they did horrific things to the Israelites. So it's kind of grounded that people didn't like them. Um, There's something else going on here though on a literary level. The way Nineveh is described is as a great city. Now this reminds us of other great cities in the Bible um, that come under God's judgment. In Genesis chapter 18 and 19, we see the fall of Sodom and Gomorrah. You know the story, um, the story of Lot and uh, his wife being turned to salt. The great city that was entrenched in sin and came under God's judgment and did not repent um, and was destroyed. And then looking forward to Revelation, um, which you know all about now because we've just done a whole massive series on it for those of you who listened. <laughs> um, Babylon. We're reminded of Babylon, aren't we? The great city of Babylon that represents the kingdom of Satan, um, chapter 18, verse 2, if you want to look that up in Revelation. And so we don't just get Nineveh in isolation here. We're thinking about the great empires of the world and how they will be judged by God. Um, And what's interesting about this story is those other places that we've mentioned, um, you know, it's prophesied that Satan's kingdom will not repent, but this Babylon image in Revelation and and Sodom and Gomorrah is destroyed because they will not repent. But Nineveh, this, you know, spoiler alert, there is repentance in this book and it makes us wonder why Jonah doesn't want to go because if he thinks that his message will destroy the people that have destroyed so many of the, the things that he loves and cares about why does he not want to go like does does he have an inkling that god is going to be merciful and he doesn't want him to be merciful he suggests this later in the story himself as to why he ran away it could be that but maybe he's just scared i mean can you imagine like in today's context if you um if you're a prophet and you heard from god and he told you to go to i don't know go to russia and tell Russia um, this message, I don't know, you might be like, "Mm, I could go to Moscow, or I could go to Monaco, or Mallorca, maybe that's what you said, God. Um, It's a big scary thing to him, for him to do, to go to this big empire, and tell them that God is going to judge them, so maybe he's just scared. Maybe he just doesn't want to do this anymore. He just doesn't want to be a prophet, even though that is the calling that is on his life. And it's the mission that he has um, as part of God's chosen people. Jonah knows that God is omnipresent. Psalm 139 verses 7 and 8 say, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. Which is very timely for Jonah, isn't it? And where he ends up. But Jonah knows this. He knows he can't run away from God. Um, So what does this mean that he is trying to run away from God? There's something else 
going on here. Um, let me read you a little bit from two commentaries that offer some explanations on this. The Tyndale commentary links this to something that Elijah talks about. Um, it says, the prophet Elijah employs a somewhat similar idiom, in whose presence I stand to indicate that he is a servant of the Lord. By fleeing the Lord's presence, Jonah announces empathetically his unwillingness to serve God. His action is nothing less than an open rebellion against God's sovereignty. Sorry, you've, you've probably noticed by now I've got a bit of a sore throat. So I'm losing a few words and being a bit croaky. But um, yes, this seems like not just a, you know, Jonah's not stupid. He knows he can't run from God, but he's trying to reject um god's sovereignty over his life and his call on his own life now Kerry also makes the point that this could be linked to a geographical location so let's just quickly read that one all this imagery hovers in the background when the text speaks of fleeing from the face of the lord usually translated a bit more abstractly as the presence of the lord the imagery gives jonah's flight a definite direction in sacred space he's running away from the temple the holy city the holy land away from all that signifies the presence of the lord in person it as if he were doing his best to turn his back on the face of the great king and run out of the throne room afraid to look at him in the face and unwilling to hear the word of his mouth his flight is not an attempt to escape divine omnipresence so much as an effort not to heed his word and jonah goes down to joppa which is a port um kind of west of Jerusalem it's now called Jaffa in the modern day and uh, of course the burning question is is that where Jaffa cakes are from um no but they have Jaffa oranges there and that's what Jaffa cakes are named after so you know if you learn nothing else from this podcast episode now you know that he goes from Joppa um to well he's trying to get to Tarshish Tarshish, which I still can't say, on a boat. Um, and Tarshish would have probably been in Spain. Um, it's likely to be what is now called San Luca de Baramida um, in Spain. It's a long way from Israel. I looked it up on Google Maps. If you wanted to drive from Jaffa to that place in Spain, um, from the modern day names, it would be about 66 hours you'd have to go through egypt and all the way along the top of africa there um through morocco and over to spain if you were going to walk it it would be 979 hours or 41 days so it's a long way he is trying to get as far as physically possible from um jerusalem and in the world he was in that would have been like the furthest reach that he could think of he'd get on this boat that would be like the longest journey possible a bit like me living in Cornwall thinking if I need to run away where am I gonna go I'll get the train up to Inverness so <laughs> he's thinking as far as he could possibly go he's running away and this port in Spain was famous for wealth um so he is leaving God's promised land um, and he's going with Gentiles to a rich place to seek a new life. He's doing everything here to remove himself from his identity um, in God as, as somebody who's part of God's people and is a prophet for God. He's trying to scrap it all 
and run away and seek after worldly things. So let's read about what happens on the boat, um, verse 4 to the end of the chapter. But the Lord held a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship, and had laid down, and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots, that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? And where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. Then they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us for the sea grew more and more tempestuous he said to them pick me up and hurl me into the sea then the sea will quiet down for you for i know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you nevertheless the men rode hard to get back to dry land but they could not for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them therefore they called out to the lord O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. The first note I want to make about this story is actually about its structure um, and it's composed really cleverly. As we mentioned last week, this book is written um, in, a, in a really intentional way and there's been a literary structure used here to emphasise the point of this book once again. So there's kind of a mirror imaging going on um, in this story and it all centers around Jonah's confession in verse 9. So if you see that as the middle of the story, Jonah's confession that he is a Hebrew and he worships God, um, we start at the beginning. We start with the storm coming and the sailors responding by throwing cargo overboard um, and praying to their gods. That's the first thing. They then get scared, they are they're fearing, that's the second thing, and they question Jonah that's the third and that leads to his confession now then coming out of his confession it's like we then see the story sort of in reverse um so after his confession um they go back to questioning him again they ask him more things and fearing again for what they are going to do um and that leads to them them praying to jonah's god not their gods and rather than throwing the cargo um, overboard to try and help the boat um, they throw Jonah overboard into the storm so do you see how the, the story kind of 
goes in to Jonah's confession, centers around that and comes out again. And that's deliberate. And, and the point of it is showing us the focus of this little story. Um, the focus is that God does not change and Jonah cannot change who he is and who he worships. Um, this is the center of it all. Does Jonah really think he can run away? Um, God sends a storm and Jonah knows that the answer to this is for him to be given over <laughs> to God. He knows what is going on here. Um, I just want to mention two other things before we close up about this part of the chapter. Firstly, this thing about Jonah sleeping. Um, and I know this sort of foreshadows Jesus's story about sleeping in the storm and we'll look at that in our final episode when we'll go back over and consider the sign of Jonah um, when Jesus talks about that so we'll, we'll talk about that then but all the way through Jonah um, in this chapter and the next chapter we get this kind of imagery of his descent so he's running away from God um, and then he descends from the top of the ship to the bottom of the ship and then descends into sleep and we'll see you see this word he's gone down and going down and then we see this again when he's thrown of course overboard and goes down into the sea and into the belly of the fish he's descending um and it, it's his disobedience isn't it he's he's trying to to go away from god and hide from god and ignore it um he has a mission to be a light to the gentiles as all god's people do he's trying to run away from it um and he's letting the gentiles around him then be in chaos the sailors on the ship because he's there and he's running away he's actually hurting others um and i think on an individual level this is something we can ask ourselves you know as Christians, and obviously Jonah isn't a Christian here, but but as people who follow Jesus now, we have a responsibility to the people around us and the world around us. We don't live in a vacuum, and, and we've been given a mission to reach others and to bring God's light to people who do not yet know Him. Um, and in that way, it's it's a it's a similar mission to the Israelites being light to the Gentiles in christ we are to bring his light and to share his message to those who do not know him um we can't just hide and <laughs> ignore the storms of this world and just let people fend for themselves and descend into chaos we are to bring hope and stability into those situations um jonah is thrown overboard at the end of this and this would remind people reading it of the day of atonement i did a podcast on the day of atonement with my husband's eye and actually um it was a while ago now but if you scroll back through you'll find it on bible with megan wherever you listen um and jonah here is being likened to the scapegoat now the scapegoat is the one that wasn't sacrificed the scapegoat had all the sins of the people put on it and then it was sent out into the wilderness in the ancient world the wilderness or the desert um, represented the place where the demons lived so it's being sent out taking the sins back 
to the to the demonic this is kind of the imagery go go listen to the podcast but the same thing's going on here in the ancient world the sea represented chaos and evil and everything that was the opposite of god's kind of good order creation because it's especially when it's stormy like this jonah kind of takes the responsibility on himself um and so allows peace to be brought to the other people on the boat is his descent into the sea under the sea you see that thing of descent carrying on is it brave is he deliberately doing this um or is he still running is he thinking well if they chuck me overboard i can't go to nineveh because that will be it um i'm not sure i i think that he is still running um but i think that there's something spoken through this that foreshadows jesus um, that shows the different way that Jesus responds and we'll get to that as I have said the sailors realise that this whole thing is beyond them <laughs> it's way beyond them um, and so they give Jonah over to the Lord and it's funny because they actually come to worship God out of this encounter um, even though Jonah was being disobedient and was trying to run away it, it the, God still witnessed through him and showed his power through and they still came to know God in a way they wouldn't have before it's a funny one I think it's just reminding us that Jonah kind of can't escape his mission um even though <laughs> even though he's trying to run away um and then we end on this cliffhanger Jonah is eaten by a big fish and we'll get into that next week so I hope that was a helpful episode for you. There's actually so much in this chapter. I feel like sometimes we skip over this chapter to get to the fish and to get to the judgment of Nineveh. Actually, there's so much in it. And there's a lot more I could have said um, from what I learned about this as I was studying it. But I think those are the main points. Oh, one more thing. Right at the beginning. Um god asks jonah to arise and go and he does arise and go but he doesn't go where god wants him to go um and that is something that for me has been a big lesson in my life you know don't be half obedient to god um this is my own story but i tried to be half obedient to god once and the whole thing ended up untangling and i ended up going to where god wanted me anyway so in that way i very much resonate with Jonah and it's a good reminder you know we can't pick and choose what we want to do out of what God tells us to do um God knows so much better than us the plans he has for our lives and uh yeah yeah I wish I'd never thought I knew better than him but hey here we are I'm back on track um <laughs> there's a longer story in that but I just wanted to mention that I feel like that's a significant part of this so yeah i hope this blesses you um thank you for listening to the next episode in this series and next week we will be back talking about the big fish um so that will be fun i will see you then have a wonderful week and head back here next friday
so so much for joining me for today's podcast if you have five minutes to leave a review of this podcast on whatever platform you're listening on that would be really really helpful and it would help more people like us who might enjoy studying the bible to find the podcast and to join us in our journey if you'd like to support me in making this podcast financially you can use the buy me a coffee link that is in the show notes to just donate a little bit towards making these resources you can also follow me over on instagram at bible with megan or one word where i update everything that's going on and have content on there as well so i really look forward to seeing you next time for the next episode of the bible with megan podcast